I wasn't going to preach very long tonight, but then when I got here, some people started saying, are you preaching? Well, I knew I should have stayed home. Just hurt my feelings and just offended me. Dana was one of them. Tyler was one of them. Sister Cindy there was one of them. (laughs) My wife was one of them. (laughs) She almost didn't come at all. (laughs) So, since everybody said all that, I'm going to preach for a long time tonight, amen. I mean, know that uh, long-winded preaching is biblical. The Bible said when Paul had long preached, amen. I think I probably told this joke here before, but there was a guy sitting in the window, and he fell asleep and fell out, and he died, and Paul was able to go down there and raise him back to life. Now, if you want to fall asleep and die, and I don't know if I can be Paul on you or not, so you might want to stay awake, amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. First, first Samuel chapter number one, if you're there, say amen. <clears throat> there was a certain man of Ramoth, now listen, I may not be able to pronounce these words right. Y'all just love, I'm going to pronounce them Gritney style, so y'all just love me, amen. Now, the, yeah, now there was a certain man of Ramathaim Zophim of Mount Ephraim, and his name was Elkanah, the son of Jeroham, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zuth, and Ephrathite. And he had two wives. Somebody say, bless his heart. The name of the one was Hannah, and the name of the other, Penina. And Penina had children, but Hannah had no children. And this man went up out of his city yearly to worship and to sacrifice unto the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. And, there, and the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, the priest of the Lord, were there. I want you to know that that's a significant statement. It's not just something that the Lord just had him pinned down for no reason. We'll talk about that in a few moments. But it's everything that is pinned down in the Word of God is significant. Amen? And when the time... And when the time was that Elkanah offered, he gave to Penina his wife and to all her sons and her daughters portions. But unto Hannah he gave a worthy portion, for he loved Hannah, but the Lord had shut up her womb. I want you to pay attention to that, the B part of that verse as well. But the Lord had shut up her womb. And her adversary also provoked her sore for to make her fret, because the Lord had shut up her womb. And as he did so year by year, when, he, when she went up, and as, and as he did so year by year, When she went up to the house of the Lord, so she provoked her. Therefore she wept and did not eat. Then said Elkanah, her husband, to her, Hannah, why weepest thou, and why eatest thou not? And why is thy heart grieved? Am not I better to thee than ten sons? So Hannah rose up after they had eaten in Shiloh, and after they had drunk. Now Eli the priest sat upon a seat by a post of the temple of the Lord. And she was in bitterness of soul, and prayed unto the Lord, and wept sore. And she vowed a vow, and said, O Lord of hosts, If thou would indeed look on the affliction of thine handmaid, and remember me, and not forget thine handmaid, but wilt give unto thine handmaid a man-child, then I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life, and there shall no razor come upon his head. And it came to pass, as she continued praying before the Lord, that Eli marked her mouth. Now Hannah, she spake in her heart, only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore Eli thought she had been drunken. And Eli said unto her, How long wilt thou be drunken? Put away thy wine from thee. And Hannah answered and said, No, my lord, I am a woman of a sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but have poured out my soul before the Lord. Count not thine handmaid for a daughter of Belial, for out of the abundance of my complaint and grief have I spoken hitherto. Then Eli answered and said, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant thee thy petition that thou hast asked of him. And she said, Let thine handmaid find grace in thy sight. So the woman went her way and did eat. And her countenance was no more sad. And they rose up in the morning early and worshipped before the Lord and returned and came to their house to Ramah. And Elkanah knew Hannah his wife, and the Lord remembered her 
Wherefore it came to pass, when the time was come about, after Hannah had conceived that she bare a son, and called his name Samuel, saying, Because I have asked him of the Lord. And the men Elkanah and all the house went up to offer unto the Lord the yearly sacrifices and his vow. But Hannah went not up, for she said unto her husband, I will not go up until the child be weaned, and then, then will I bring him, that he may appear before the Lord, and there abide forever. And Elkanah, her husband, said unto her, Do what seemeth thee good, tarry until thou have weaned him, only the Lord establish his word. So the woman abode and gave her son suck until she weaned, and when he, and she had weaned him, she took him up with her, with three bullocks, one ephah of flour, and a bottle of wine, and brought him unto the house of the Lord in Shiloh. And the child was young, and they slew a bullock, and brought the child to Eli. And she said, O my Lord, as thy soul liveth, my Lord, I am the woman that stood by thee here, praying unto the Lord. For this child I prayed, and the Lord hath given me my petition, which I asked of him. Therefore also I have lent him to the Lord. As long as he liveth, he shall be lent to the Lord. And he worshipped the Lord there. Look back with me at verse 20 real quick. Wherefore it came to pass when the time was come about after Hannah had conceived that she bare a son and called his name Samuel, saying, Because I have asked him of the Lord. I want to come to you tonight just for a few moments on this thought, birthed by prayer. Amen. Birthed by prayer. Let's pray. Father, we love you. God, we just thank you, Lord, for your presence, God, that is already here in this house, Lord. God, we thank you, Lord, for all that you've already done, God, the way that you've moved. Fathers, we come to your word tonight, Father. I just know and I just believe in my heart, God, by faith that this is the word for this house, for this moment. God, the season that we're in, a season of, God, what I believe is intimacy and birthing and, and God, you desiring to impregnate us, God, with things, Lord, and God, move us into the next level and into the next place, God, that you would have for us, God. I, I just pray that you would come tonight, God, and just anoint these lips of clay. Father, I could stand and I could preach without you. I could, but Lord, I desire not to tonight, Lord, because if I do, Lord, nothing shall be accomplished of any eternal value, Father. Lord, let me not stand. Stand in my own strength, God. Let me crucify this flesh, God, and stand and preach under the anointing of the Holy Ghost. God, I ask it in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Birthed by prayer, amen. I said it already, but I just want to say it again, that I believe that we're just in a season here at Grace Fellowship Christian Church that God is calling us into a place of deeper intimacy, a, a deeper walk with him, and to take us to, to new places and places, Brother Michael, that, that we've not yet been before and that we've not yet seen. And as he's calling us into that, into that place of intimacy, I believe that there's many things, number one, that have already been impregnated in many of us, but, but things that will also be birthed in this season that, that God has in impregnated in in us and I don't want you to get be discouraged tonight because I know that I was preparing and studying for this message that that the Lord just began to speak that there are some things in some of us that that God has impregnated us with dreams and visions and desires for our life and things that maybe years ago the Lord spoke to us and we felt that that we would be doing those things by now and yet here we are tonight and those things have not been fulfilled yet in our life and he just told me to come by to tell you tonight to just continue to pray and just continue to wait because God is not slack concerning his promises. We sang the song just a few minutes ago that had the words that he keeps his promises. Amen. We sing a song also called Promise Keepers. And listen, I can tell you tonight that if the Lord has made a promise to you, then you can stand upon that promise and then you can know that at some point in his timing that he is going to bring that promise to fruition in your life. Amen. I know in my life there's many things that God has promised me and some of those things have not yet come to pass, but I it doesn't wane my faith any. It 
It doesn't make me disbelieve God any, 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 any shape, form, or fashion because I know that if I look back over my life as, as David looked back over his life several times, we read in the book of Psalms as he began to meditate on the days of old and, and think about the, the things that God has done in his life and he began to, to stir up his remembrance of those things. He, he was able to count God faithful and tonight, even though some of those things in my life and some of those things in your life, Brother Lewis, may not have come to pass tonight. I'm telling you that we need to continue to count God faithful. Amen. God will do what he said he will do. Amen. Hallelujah. But I just believe we're in that season in, in, at GFCC where things, uh, thing, and, and I believe that God is moving at a, at a more rapid pace maybe than, than he has in the past. And I believe that, Sister Stacy, because I believe we're coming so close to the coming of the Lord. Amen. I, I just, I know maybe that we talk about it a lot and say it every time we come, but I'm telling you, I believe we're on the brink of the rapture. And if we really knew how close it was, I'm telling you, how different would our worship have been tonight? Where would everybody be tonight? And I'm not getting on to anyone, but all of a sudden with those cares of life and those things that, that keep us from the house of the Lord and keep us from being faithful and all those other things that we're burdened down with, I wonder if we really knew and really could see how close, the if we knew the day and the hour, Brother David, that he was coming back, I wonder how differently we would live tonight, amen? I wonder if we'd make that phone call that Lord's been urging us to make to that loved one or we'd go visit that one that we know that's not living right. Would we, would we go and do those things or would we continue to say in our mind, well, I'll call them tomorrow or I'll go visit them tomorrow or whatever the case may be. But I believe that God is just moving at a more rapid pace than he's ever moved at before because we're so close to the coming of the Lord. Not that God is running out of time because God is, is not constrained by our time, but I do believe that God is redeeming the time, amen? Things that have gone undone in our lives, God is calling us to and bringing us into that place of intimacy that he can, that he can impregnate us with those things, that those things can be re revived in our lives, that those things can be birthed inside of our life, that we can move on into what God would have us to do in this last day, in this last hour that we're living in. And so before we get to where we're going, I just want to lay just a little bit of groundwork to where we're getting to tonight, amen? The book of first and second, this, I just want to give you just a little bit of history tonight, but because I love studying the word of God, amen? I actually borrowed one of, one of Pastor's Perry Stone Bibles, and man, that thing's got a lot of info in there, amen? But man, I just love the word of God, and I love to dig into things, and so I'm just going to give you a little bit of that as we lay some groundwork tonight. That'd be all right? But the books of First and Second Samuel were originally one book later being divided into First and Second Samuel. The book of First Samuel is a book of transition. It's Israel transitioning from, from the time where judges ruled to a time where they would become a monarchy and they'd be ruled by kings. In the book of Judges, if we read through that book, we understand and we know and we'll find that there are four verses that say nearly the same thing. And this is what they say. In those days, there was no king in Israel. Two of those verses go on to say the exact same thing, and they say this, in those days there was no king in Israel, but every man did what was right in his own eyes. Listen to me, when men are left to do what is right in their own eyes, trouble comes. Amen? When we're left to our own devices, trouble comes. Man is fleshly. You and I, we're fleshly, and if we're left just to do whatever we think is right in our own lives, without the standard of Christ in our lives, we will always result to fulfilling every lust of the flesh. If we're left to our own devices, we will become sexually immoral. 
We will run to idol worship. We will be full of pride and arrogance. We will backbite. We will gossip. We will hate people. It'll be a free for all and many other, and that's not an exhaustive list of the things that our flesh will run to. We can look out in this world today and we can see the things that are going on, even in, even in this little old county that we're living in, all the things that are going on and the, and the, and the, and the, the depths and the, 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 the links that people are going to, to fulfill the sin and the lust that, that has overcome and overtaken their life. So there's, there is no limit to, to where sin will take you. There's a, there's a verse in Romans, and I wish I could quote it out of chapter number 6, but it says that if you're a, a slave to sin, then you're free from righteousness. In other words, what that means is if sin is my master, then I'm going to do what my master tells me to do. It means that I'm free from doing anything right. This is why you find moms and dads that are hooked on drugs fulfilling, fulfilling that sin of addiction in their life, and they leave their children, and they do things that normal people, normal normal moms and dads would not do. They leave their children and they desert their children. Spouses deserting each other and all these different types of things because they are slave to that sin. That sin has become their master and they will do whatever that, whatever that master tells them to do. They'll do whatever that sin tells them to do. I remember times in my life when I was living in sin and there was almost times it seemed like, Sister Stacy, that I was standing outside of myself looking at myself, doing the things that I was doing and saying, what are you doing? You know better to do than to do this. You shouldn't be doing this. You were raised better, but yet I was, I was, I was a slave to that sin. And if that sin told me to do it, brother Michael, I was going to do it. And I was free from doing anything right at all. I didn't care who it hurt. I didn't care what, what it cost. I didn't care about anything of that nature because I was free from doing anything right. And that's where we'll wind up as if we're left to our own devices, if we're left to do things that are right within our own life, those are the things that we'll run to. And let me just put this little plug in there for you. This is why we need the body of Christ. This is why we need each other. This is why we need the covering of a shepherd and leaders that God places in our lives. Wherever pastors at, he can say amen. Come on. Brother David, amen. Right. <laughs> Yeah, but it brings accountability. It keeps us on the right track. I know there's been times in my life and we could go around this room and we could say there's been times in our life that we've started out to do something or to go a certain way and our shepherd and or our leaders have counseled us or preached something that we needed in that moment that changed our course and kept us from a lot of pain and misery. Amen? So those that say that, well, I don't have to be in church. I, listen, I, I'm not saying you got to be in church to get saved, but I'm telling you, if you're saved, you'll want to be in church, amen? You'll want to be around the body of Christ. I want accountability. I don't like it, but I want it in my life. I don't want to deal with it. I I listen, if there's, if there's something that my old mind makes up it wants to do, my old mind wants to go and do it. And I don't want Pastor Jared or Pastor David or somebody else telling me, no, you shouldn't do it that way. You need to do it this way. Nobody likes that. But I'm telling you that if my life is lined up with, with Jesus, then I'm going to desire the body of Christ. I'm, going to, I'm not going to want to be left to my own devices. The Bible says there's, there's wisdom in a lot of godly counsel. Amen? Now listen, you got to be careful. The key word there is godly counsel. You got to be careful who you let talk into your life. Amen? But, but, but those that say, well, I don't, I don't need to go to church. I can, I can have church on my own and I can, I can have church watch. There's so many, these, these televangelists and preachers on TV and all. And listen, I'm not against any of that stuff. I know some people are shut in and can't make it. I understand that. But I'm telling you that we need the body of Christ. 
We need to be plugged into a house somewhere. Now, not just any house. I'm telling you, the house that God has chosen for us to be in. Amen? The Bible says that he chooses where he puts us. It's not up to you and me. But we need to be plugged in somewhere. It brings accountability. It keeps us on the right track. This is why we look in the book of Hebrews, and Hebrews 10.25 tells us to not forsake the assembling of ourselves together, but to continue together and to get and gathering and together even the more as we see the return of Jesus getting closer, exhorting one another. We talked about it a minute ago, but I don't know about you, but we can look around and we can see that Jesus is about to come. So we need to be gathering more and more and more and more as we see that day approaching, amen, exhorting one another. And listen, y'all know I'm a definitions guy, so I just had to look up what the word exhort meant, amen? But it means to admonish, to express warning, to give advice. It means to beg. It means to console, to strengthen, to encourage, to instruct, or to teach. That's what we need to be doing with each, each other. We need to be encouraging one another. We need to, this is why we need the body of Christ, because there's been times in my life that, like I've just said, I'm going one way, and all of a sudden a warning would come, either through the gifts of the operation of the Spirit, or either from a word from the pulpit, or either, either somebody just speaking something in my life, and that warning would come, no, you don't need to head down that path, and we need those things. We need to be instructed. We need to be taught. Listen, that's why we need to be in this place every time the doors are open. Amen. I know, I know some can't. I know we all can't, but I'm telling you, we need to make every effort that we can to be in this place every time the doors open because you never know what you're going to miss. Tonight could have been the word for somebody that had something else to do tonight. And I'm not getting on to anybody, but what if they miss this opportunity? What if they miss the instruction? What if they miss the teaching that they need? What if they miss the encouragement that they need tonight because they had something better to do? So let's get back to where we were. We were talking about the book of Judges. We found that there was no king, so men did what was right in their own eyes. And if you read through the book of Judges, you'll find that time and again, that the children of Israel would turn to idol worship and sexual immorality and all types of sin, and God would raise up an enemy to come against them and oftentimes putting them in, into, into uh, uh, captivity again and, and bondage again and enslaving them. And then they would begin to call out upon the Lord. They would begin to repent, and God would raise up a judge that would begin to turn them back to God, and he would deliver them. And then so that brings us up kind of, I know that's a quick synopsis, but that brings us up kind of to where we are right here in the book of First Samuel. This book of First Samuel, as you'll find, is nestled right after the book of Ruth, right after the book of Judges. And we can see in this book of 1 Samuel, as we begin to read it, we can quickly realize in the first few chapters that Israel is in no better shape in the book of 1 Samuel than they were in the book of Judges. As we begin to read that book and we begin to look at it, this is what we find. And we're going we're gonna to skip around just a little bit here, so just follow along with me, if you will. And, and, and Pastor, just so you know, I sent these same notes to, to Brother Owen, so he's preaching the same message tonight, so you're not missing anything. I'm preaching it way better than he is. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Ha. I even got the black glasses too. But we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna kind of do a synopsis here, if you will, some cliff notes, or or maybe maybe the the first book of Samuel for dummies a little bit. All right, because that's I got to keep it simple for me. <laughs> well, I was gonna quit in about thirty minutes. I'm just adding thirty minutes to it. <laughs> So as we read through the first few chapters of 1 Samuel, we begin to find out that, that they're, they're in no better shape than they were in the book of Judges. We begin to look at it and we begin to see a nation that is just in disarray. 
We begin to see a nation that is, that is full of sin and full of immorality and full of idol worship. It, gives, it paints a picture of, man, the world that we're living in today, amen? And it's a shadow and type of, of the world that I believe that we're living in today. But as we read through this, we find in the first chapter that the high priest is named Eli. And as we look through this, through this first chapter, as Hannah begins to call out upon the Lord, and we're going we're gonna to talk about her in just a minute, but we find that there's three things that Eli did or did not do that give us insight as to what the spiritual condition of Israel is at the beginning of 1 Samuel. Number one, as we find, as we read just a moment ago, as Hannah began to pray there in the temple, that, that, that the man of God, the high priest, didn't even recognize prayer. He thought that she was drunk. And we can just, we can just, and, and, and this is just kind of the way my, my mind works, but I can just, you know, she's in the temple there praying. And, and one, the, the man of God didn't even recognize prayer. So if we, if in my mind, this is what I think, that he was not used to seeing people pray. How long had it been since he had seen someone pray that he doesn't even recognize prayer any longer? He thought that she was drunk. And listen, she was in the temple praying. So my mind goes to this, that if, if, if he thought, didn't recognize that she was praying and thought she was drunk, that drunkenness in Israel must have been a common thing at that time. But not only that, she's in the temple, so drunkenness in the temple must have been a common thing at that time. So that can give you a clear picture of where we're at as far as the spiritual condition of Israel. The man of God, the overseer, the judge, the high priest at that time doesn't even recognize what's going on, doesn't even recognize prayer in the temple and believes that somebody is drunk inside the temple and rather than rebuke them and tell them to get out of the temple with that mess, just says, listen, put it away from you. Gives them a little, a little rebuttal and moves on. We read on and Eli had two sons named Hophni and Phinehas and he allowed his sons to pervert the offerings of God. They were sexually immoral, but he didn't, he didn't, he didn't we're gonna talk about them more in a minute, but he didn't rebuke and remove them from the priesthood. He continued to allow them to do the things that they were doing. He did say a little something to them, but it was more of, hey, I need to stop doing that now. Rather than taking his, his rightful authority and saying, listen, I'm, I'm cutting you off for the priesthood. You're not going to be doing this in the house of God. He just gives them a little, a little rebuke. Hey, now, it's kind of like if you do that, I'm, I'm going to count to three. If you do that one more time, don't you do that again. Then they do it again. Don't you do that one more time. If you do that, I'm, I'm going to count to three. I'm, I don't know about y'all, but my daddy, the, the only time he counted to three was one, two, three. That's the only time he counted to three. Amen. And I wish he didn't even know how to count that high. Praise God. My dad didn't count to three. I don't think I ever got put in timeout. Don't think I was ever on restriction. Didn't need any of that. But this is what Eli did. He said, listen, y'all, this is just what I can see in my mind. All right, y'all better stop doing that now. I'm counting to three. One, two, three. Hey, don't be doing that again. But he didn't rebuke his sons for doing the things that they were doing. And so this gives us a clear in, in look into what the spiritual condition of Israel was at the time. Under Eli, the things of the temple were not being cared for. And due to his corrupt leadership, there was no open vision in Israel at this time. In other words, God was not actively speaking to his people. What a condition. If we flip over to chapter number three, we'll find and we'll see that the lamp of God went out. This was the golden lampstand or, the, or another name for it is called the menorah. But this lamp was supposed to be replenished with oil in the morning and in the evening. And this lamp was to be tended to and it was to never go out. But it was to perpetually burn before the Lord. 
And so Eli, with his, with his corrupt leadership and his corrupt sons, had allowed, this, had allowed the things that they're not even tending to the things of God any longer. The entire divine order and law for the tabernacle that had been established by God had fallen apart under the priesthood of Eli and his corrupt sons. And so as we look here at the beginning of 1 Samuel, but listen, I, I know we're, we're painting a grim picture, all right, but I'm just telling you, we're going we're gonna to find out some good news here in just a moment, amen. I'm telling you. I like to get the bad stuff out of the way first. <laughs> so the narrative of 1 Samuel, as we, as we read just a few moments ago, it begins with a man by the name of Elkanah. And it begins as, as he's, he's, it shows a look into his life that he's somewhat of a, a religious man because he's going to offer sacrifices in Shiloh. But we also read that this man had two wives. Somebody say that's a brave man. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> but he, he had two wives, so he was, uh, he, was, he was not untouched by the immorality of the day, having two wives against, against what God had designed marriage to be. One of these wives' name was Penina, or Penina, however you decide you want to pronounce it, and one was named Hannah. And we notice in verse number two that, that Penina had children, but the scripture states that Hannah had no children. This is also not just a casual mention of something. We'll talk about that in, in, in just a moment. But the mention of Hannah's barrenness here is significant, as we'll see in just a moment. And so I want to talk about that life of Hannah for just a moment. Her name means this. It means grace, gracious, favor, or beauty. And as we have established, Israel was in a dark time here. As we begin reading in the book of, of 1 Samuel, Israel was in, in, in a very dark time here in the text. But God in his grace had a plan. Amen. Somebody look at your neighbor and say, grace always has a plan. <laughs> Hallelujah. But I want you to notice two things here. Number one, that Hannah was barren. And number two, that Hannah was barren because God had shut up her womb. From the Bible times, listen, I, I did a little reading. Man, I, I, may, I, may, I may not give this Bible back to you, Pastor. It was pretty good. But from, from Bible times all the way up until the late 1800s, according to the commentator, if a woman was barren, there was a certain stigma that she carried. These women were believed to be cursed by God. And in many cultures, if a woman was barren, she could be exiled, divorced, abused. Many things could happen to her. Barren women were low-rated and labeled and shamed and, and, and mocked. And such was the case here with Hannah as we, as we read in, in, in this first chapter that her, her adversary, Panina, as the Bible says, would provoke her sore. She would make fun of her and she would, she would not let her forget that the Lord had not, had not given her children. The Message Bible puts it this way. It says, but her rival wife taunted her cruelly, rubbing it in and never letting her forget that God had not given her any children. And so, and so we read on and we find out that we don't know. This, this had apparently went on for many years. We don't know exactly how long, but the implication here is that it went on for several years. And this is what I love about Elkanah. And as we find in verse number four through five, that, that, and let's, let's look at that for just a minute. It says that, and when the time was that Elkanah offered, he gave to Penina his wife and to all her sons and daughters portions. But unto Hannah, verse five says, but unto Hannah he gave a worthy portion, for he loved Hannah, but the Lord had shut up her womb. And what I love about Elkanah in those verses is that though Hannah was barren, listen to this, Elkanah loved her and gave her a more worthy portion than he gave Penina and her children. Now why is this significant? I'm glad that you asked. Because grace always gives and gets more than is deserved. 
Somebody say amen. Grace always gives and gets more than is deserved. That's why men hate the grace of God so much, because it gives more than what is deserved. And when we get in our flesh and in our religion, we'll say, well, I've been doing this a lot longer, and I should get more than they have, Lord. But we can't control the grace of God or the measure that he gives to anyone. And this is why many people reject the grace of God. And many, many call it even some, even, even some calling that you're preaching a false gospel if you begin to preach the grace of God. And we know this, we know, we know about our sister church that all that happened in. And so we, we continue to look and we continue to see that grace is, listen, grace is always at work. Grace is always moving. This, this, this time in Israel, Brother Lewis, was a dark time and all the things that we've already talked about, but yet God had a plan in place through his grace. Remember, that Hannah, remember what Hannah's name means, grace, gracious and favor. But grace, another thing that grace always does that I just felt the Lord wanted us to bring out here was that grace always honors. Grace always honors. In verse number seven, Penina had provoked Hannah to the point where she was weeping and would not eat. And you know the story. Elkanah goes to her and says, why are you not eating? Why is your countenance sad? Am I not better to you than ten sons? So in honor of her husband, she gets up and she eats. And so grace always honors. Grace always honors. But we find this, this life of Hannah here. And as, as she's going up year by year to this temple and this, this enemy, her adversary is, and I, I want to just spend just a moment here talking about, talking about Hannah here. But as we see that, that, that the enemy here, as she is, is going through this, this, these processes and the steps of going to this temple every single year, and as they go up and they bless the Lord and they offer sacrifices, her, her adversary is just lowrating her and talking about her and shaming her and calling her name and calling her names. And, and, and we've already talked about the stigma that is carried by women that are barren. But, but this Hannah, she comes to the place in her life where, where we read on over in this first chapter and, and and I don't know what she may have said in her mind but I can just figure in my mind that I could just I could I would just be saying you know what Lord I'm just so tired of this I'm just so tired of being barren and I'm so tired of being the way that I am and I'm tired of these people making fun of me and if we brought it maybe into today's time maybe it's Lord I know that you've promised that this is going to happen in my life and and Lord I've told people about it and yet it's not happening and God people are making fun of me and people are saying this and Lord I'm I just I just want to come and I just want to begin to pour out my soul unto you. And what I love about Hannah is even, even through all of this, she never seemed to lose her faith in God. She never, she, she never just gave up on God. She continued and she grasped a hold of something that you and I need to grasp a hold of tonight. And that was that God is faithful. Amen. I believe she knew in her life that, that I believe somewhere along the line, I don't believe this was the first time that she'd ever prayed for a man child from God. I don't believe that. And I believe that somewhere along the line that God had made her this promise that you will have children. I, I just believe that. I believe she knew the word of God and there's places in the word of God where it talks about that God will open up the womb and God will God will heal their barrenness and I believe that she knew this and, and she stirred this up in her mind and she counted God faithful that he would come through with what he had promised. And so here we find, so here we find her in a place of desperation. Here we find her in a place where she's finally just had enough. 
Here we find her in a place where she's been provoked and she's just weeping to the point of where she cannot eat. And I don't know about you, but there's been times where I've been praying for things in my life and it's just seemed that I just can't go any further, that God, you've got to come and you've got to do something. God, you've got to move in this situation because God, if you don't, then I don't know if I'll be able to go another step. This, she had brought, she had been gotten to the place where she's, she's not eating and maybe, maybe her strength had gone down and maybe, maybe all kinds of things going on with her here and no telling what the enemy is tormenting her mind with and yet we find here in a place that she entered into this place of prayer that 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 a place of desperation and she got alone with God and she got desperate with God and God began to speak and God began to to remember her prayer and so we're going to talk about prayer in just a moment and and listen we're because we're talking about things being birthed by prayer and let me just tell you this I, I, I reading the word of God is great and we must do it but I'm telling you if we don't pray that that is the most intimate thing that I believe that we can do with God is pray. There's many that read the word that don't know this Jesus at all. There's many that know this Bible front and backwards and sideways and up and down and three ways to Sunday, but they don't know the God of this Bible. The, so, so listen, I, I, I'm all for reading the word. I love the word of God, but I'm telling you it must be accompanied, Brother Charlie, by prayer. It must be accompanied by prayer. God, God, show me what you desire for me to know in this word. God, God hide it in my heart and reveal it to me the mysteries and the secrets, God, of your word. And, and, and when we accompany that with prayer, then, then I'm telling you, this word begins to come alive to us. And, and man, I've, I've read out of this, I've read the, the book of Samuel, the, the first book of Samuel is probably, I don't know why, but it's just one of my most favorite books in the Bible. And I've read it time and time again. And every time I read it, there's something different in it that I begin to see. And it's because it's accompanied with prayer. God, what do you want to show me out of this book that you've never showed me before? And that's the beauty of the word of God is that it is living. That means it's growing. That means it's moving. And every time, you may read a scripture one day and get something out of it. You may read it another day and see something totally different. It doesn't mean that God's word has changed. What it means is that God has taken you into a deeper revelation of what he desires to reveal to you in your life. Amen? And so, so we find Hannah here in this place of prayer. And this is what I want to. This is what I, I want to stick right here for just a little while as we begin to talk about prayer tonight. And I, I promise I'm not going to be much longer, Lord willing. But we find that Hannah gets to this place finally that she just has to get alone with God, and she begins to pray and to pour out her soul before the Lord. So, what is prayer? In its simplest definition, it's communication with God. It is talking to God. It is an address as a petition to God in word or thought. It's an earnest request or a wish. It is to speak to God in order to give thanks or to ask for something, to make a request in a humble manner, to address God with adoration, confession, supplication, or thanksgiving. It's talking to God. It's telling God the things in your life that hurt you, that bother you, that upset you, the things that make you happy. It's telling God the things that you're thankful for. It's asking God for the things you want him to do in your life to help you with or for things that you want him to do and to help in other people's lives and maybe help them with. And listen to this one. I don't want you to miss this one. Part of prayer is listening to God. It's listening. How many know that communication is both, here, is both speaking and listening? That's what prayer is. I love the way, e, I mean, I've read this here before, but I love the way that E.M. bounds what he said about prayer. And this is what he said, that prayer is a business. It's a lifelong business. 
It's one to be followed with diligence, fervor, and toil. The Christian's business by way of preeminence is prayer. It is his most engaging, most heavenly, most lucrative business. Prayer is business of such high and deserved dignity and import that, is to be, that it is to be followed without ceasing. This was with no let up nor breakdown, followed assiduously and without intermission. To prayer we are to give all strength. It must cover all things, be in every lace, find itself in all seasons, and embrace everything always and everywhere. That's what Ian Bounds had to say in one of his many, many, many statements about prayer. So we find here that prayer is, is, is of such importance. Prayer is of such value to the child of God. There's many promises in the word of God that, that, we have, that many of us have failed to unlock because we refuse to pray. There's, there's, there's power that we can tap into. Holy, I'm not talking about some mystical power, but I'm talking about there's power that the Holy Ghost can bring if we'll, if we'll but yield ourselves in prayer and begin to pray and begin to call out on God. So in verse number 10, we find that Hannah is immersed in this type of prayer. This is, the Bible says that she was in bitterness of soul and that she, that she wept sore. In other words, this was not just a now I lay me down to sleep type prayer. And I understand that sometimes our prayers have got to be quick and, and, and in the moment that maybe all we got time to whisper is just a little bit of, a little bit of prayer or a little, a little statement. God help me as I go do this or help me as I go do that. But I'm telling you, if there's one thing that we need, it is a revival of the intercessory prayer warriors. Amen. It is a revival of people that like Hannah will begin to call out upon the Lord and say, I'm going to tarry here, Lord, just as Jacob did, Lord, until you bless me. It's, it's those, it's those that'll be, that'll pray and, and begin to to call out on God and begin to weep and cry and it's on the it's on the shoulders and on the backs of those types of, of prayer wars that we're going to see true revival come amen it's on the backs and, and, and through those prayers that God is going to begin to turn this nation around amen I, I and, and and I make that statement and I don't make it with any with with just some some mystical thought that well if we pray God's going to turn this nation around I'm telling you I fully believe that God can turn this nation around amen I fully believe that from the prayer of the folks at GFCC that God could turn the United States of America and this entire world around, amen? We read, and I may be getting ahead of myself, but that's all right, but we read about Hannah, and we read about this prayer that she prayed about having a, a, a man-child. God, if you'll give me this man-child, Lord, I pray for this man-child, and she was in bitterness of soul, and, and she poured out her soul before the Lord. When's the, when's the last time that, that you poured out your soul before the Lord in prayer, amen? Or, or, or do we just, or do we just say, well, it's at the end of the day, man, I haven't said my prayers yet. Oh, Lord, bless everybody. Bless me if you can. I'm going to sleep now. Lord, I'll see you in the morning. Is it those types of prayers? And I understand that sometimes, again, we've got to have quick prayers and sometimes things happen and we need, we just need to pray with God and move on at those moments. But man, I'm telling you, what we need in our life is a revival of those that'll tarry in the altar, that'll tarry in the prayer closet, that'll, that'll get alone with God. And we can, we'll see as we do that, that God will begin to birth things in us. God will begin to in impregnate us and begin to put his purposes and his designs in us. But we see that Hannah began to pray and we're talking about changing a nation here, but we see that Hannah prayed and you know the story that this, this man Samuel was born and God used this man Samuel to change the course of the entire nation of Israel. 
He used Samuel to turn the people back to God. He used Samuel to establish schools for the prophets. He used Samuel, he used Samuel to, to anoint the first two kings of Israel. So don't tell me that God does not want us to pray. Don't tell me that God doesn't desire for us to pray. Don't tell me that through our prayers that God could not use my prayer to change the course. He could, he could impregnate me with something tonight that when it's birthed and comes to fruition and comes to life that it could change the course of this entire nation. So prayer is important. Prayer is vital. And we're talking about things being birthed in prayer. I'm just following the Lord, amen. I want to give you a statement that the Lord gave to me about being in prayer. Let me find it. Listen to what the Lord spoke to me about prayer. If in prayer we are only talking and never listening. Listen, I've been guilty of this so many times. Of getting to, well, it's, it's time to pray, but man, I got so much going on. I got I to gotta get here. I got to get there. I got to get this done today. I got to go do that. I got I to gotta pick this up over here. I got to do all this, all this stuff. And I, I, I begin to, I, I, so I go in and I, and I pray and, and I, 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 listen, I pray from a list sometimes. I keep a list. And I've been guilty sometimes of just, of just reading off that list and getting up and just going about my day and never listening for what God wants to say back to me. I've been guilty of that. We've all probably been guilty of that. But now I've learned the art of, and I'm not saying I'm perfect and do it all the time, I don't, but sometimes I don't even ask God for anything. I just sit and I just listen. God, just speak. God, I don't want to ask you for anything today. God, you know. And Lord, I just want you to just speak. God, just just pour into me, Lord. Whatever it is you desire to tell me. And listen, I'm telling you something. God will speak. Those that say God don't speak anymore, then they're listening to the wrong God. God will speak. And listen, God, we, we talked about it in Sunday school class Sunday, but God desires to speak to you. Y'all know my mind works differently. I can just I can just see I can just see God when I'm when when I'm when I'm when I'm there praying and I'm just running through my list. I can just see God kind of waiting. I know that, I know that, I know that, but I I, I want to, and then I'm I'm gone. And God's like, I, I had something to tell you. And I missed what he had to tell me in that moment. And so let me read you this statement, man, that he, that he spoke. And I'm telling you, just, man, it cut me to the core. But if in prayer we're only talking and never listening, we are robbing ourselves of being impregnated with God's purposes and plans for our life. In essence, we are always emptying out and we're never taken in. Intimacy involves an exchange between two people. Both give, both receive. So I had to look up the word exchange. I know what it means, but uh, just a definition guy, right? Listen, it is the act of giving or taking one thing in return for another. It's to trade. It is reciprocal giving 
and receiving. So in other words, what that is saying is like, God, I'm going to speak and I'm going to tell you the things that I want to tell you. And I'm going to make my petitions known for you. And I'm going to pray for my children. I'm going to pray for my finances. I'm going to pray for my marriage. I'm going to pray for the worship team. I'm going to pray for all these things. But Lord, I'm, I'm, I, I, this is an exchange between you and I. And so when I get done with all these things, Lord, then I'm going to sit and I'm going to listen. And Lord, I desire for you to tell me the things that you want to tell me. And there's been times in prayer that I've prayed for something in, in that time of prayer. And then I've sat and listened and God has answered immediately. God has given me the answer, showed me something in his word that went right along with, with, with what I, I needed and what I needed to hear. It was an answer to a prayer. God speaks. God desires. Listen, he's taking us. Listen, you can, we can only, something can only be birthed after there's been intimacy. There's got to be intimacy in order for, for conception to take place and in order for birthing to take place. And if I'm never intimate with my God, then he cannot impregnate me with anything and nothing will ever be birthed in my life. And so Hannah was intimate with the Lord in this moment. And she prayed and prayed and wept sore and poured out her, her soul before the Lord. And I believe in that moment, I know in that moment, God impregnated her with that promise that she would bear a son. Because we read down in verse number 20 and it says, Wherefore it came to pass when the time was come about after Hannah had conceived that she bare a son and called his name Samuel. And so the Lord remembered her. The Lord remembered her prayer. How many know that if we never say the prayer, then the Lord can't remember it? If I've never, there, there may be something I prayed for years ago that I've forgotten about that God remembers, and then one day he's going to answer that, and I'm going to look back, and I'm going to remember, man, I prayed for that like 10 years ago. And then the Lord answered that prayer. Bible tells a story, I believe it's in Acts chapter 10, of a man named Cornelius, and it said that his prayers came up as a memorial before the Lord. If he'd never prayed those prayers, then they would have never come up for a memorial before the Lord. And, and not even that, when, when Cornelius, and I ain't got time to read that whole story, but, but basically this man was a Gentile. He was, he, was, he, was, he, was, he was scum of the earth to the Jews. They didn't have anything to do with, with Gentiles at all. And this guy was a centurion in the Roman, in, in the Roman army. They didn't want to have anything to do with these people. But in a vision, God came to Peter and said, you go to Cornelius. And listen, I'm praying. This is, this is the RMV, Russell McNeil version, okay? And so, so God sends Peter a vision and says, go to Cornelius' house. And, and he tells him, listen, I know you think the, 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 the Gentiles are, are unclean, but something that I've cleaned, don't you call it unclean, amen? And so, so, so this, man, this, this man named Cornelius, he was a man that feared God, and he prayed continually before the Lord, and those prayers come up. And God even showed him a vision that Peter was coming. So long story short, they get there, and Peter begins to preach and he he begins to tell them all about Jesus and all this and and before he even gets done speaking before he's even able to finish his message the Holy Ghost broke out and filled them with the Holy Ghost and they began speaking in other tongues amen they were hungry in that place and so because this man prayed listen that that was the that was the that was the first recorded correct me if I'm wrong but that was the first recorded uh, uh, time that Gentiles had been filled with the Holy Ghost amen and so if if am I right in that and if that's, so if that's the case, that man's prayers opened up the gift of the Holy Ghost to you and I, the gift of Jesus to you and I because of that man's prayer. That man's prayer changed the course of a nation as well, amen. It changed the course of the entire history of the earth 
because his prayers opened up this beautiful gospel and the, and the baptism in the Holy Ghost to the Gentile nation. You and me, we're Gentiles. If you're not Jew, you're Gentile. So that opened it up to all of us. And so here is Hannah, man. She's weeping and she's praying before the Lord. And, 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 and she is impregnated with, with God's promise. And that, that, man, that man child Samuel is born and he changes the course of the entire nation. Listen, God's plans and purposes are conceived in us when we're in the intimate place of prayer. Let me tell you something. He spoke to me today about this. We can go from barrenness, which is shame and unfruitful, to conception, impregnated with a purpose, to birth, new life, promises fulfilled, fruitful, but it will be by prayer. I'm going to read that again to you. We can go from barrenness, being in shame and being unfruitful, to conception, being impregnated with the purposes of God, to birth, which is new life, promises fulfilled and fruitful, but it will be on the, it will be by prayer. Amen? And so, I just believe that tonight... God not only wants to impregnate some of us with things, but I believe that he's already impregnated some of us with things that he desires to birth tonight. And I believe it's going to come when we we come to these altars and we begin to spend time around this altar and we begin to pray and we begin to to ask the Lord and we begin to to weep in bitterness of soul. And listen, I know that that it's, it's, it's... Word Wednesday and Wing Wednesday and all that kind of stuff. But I believe that if we'll spend some time in these altars tonight, that we're going to see some births take place, that we're going to see some conception take place. And God's going to do some amazing things in these altars tonight. And so I just begin to think about our lives and where we're at. Brother Lewis, if you'll, if nobody, nobody else is here but me and you, man. Yeah, (laughs) I'm pretty good, but I don't think I can do altar call and preach at the same time. (laughs) And so I just want to close with some things that the Lord just, that he just spoke into my spirit as I was just preparing for this message. Because I believe, too, that there's some in here tonight that you're barren, or you feel that you're barren. And maybe you don't even know that God has already impregnated you with something. And he wants to to birth that in you. And so one of the things he said is that we may not understand what's going on in our lives. And some of us, very well may be barren. I've, I've been through barren times in my life. Times where, man, it just felt like my prayers were hitting the, the brass ceiling and falling back down. And I've been in those barren places and times in my life, but as I, as I look back upon those lives, upon those times in my life, 
I can see that it was, it was in those times that God was, was moving and God was, was teaching and God was, was bringing things out. And God was, he was, even though I felt barren and, 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 and thought I was in a barren place, it was in those barren moments that God began to put things inside of me. God began to impregnate me with things. And so we may not understand what's going on in our lives and why we are barren. Why does nothing seem to be working out the way that I thought it would? I'm not where I'm supposed to be right now. I'm not, this is not where I envisioned my life to be in 2021. I remember some things the Lord spoke to me, and I'm, I'm just speaking in general here, but I remember, and this is what some, some may be saying, I, I remember promises that the Lord made me years ago. And those things have not come to pass yet, and, and, and we may not understand. Why, why is it that that thing, that, that ministry, why, why is the healing that I'm praying for, why has these things not happened in my life yet? And we may be like Hannah, and, and people may be looking at our lives, and they may be doubting. They may be making fun of us. They may be putting labels on us or low-rating us or shaming us or mocking us. I've had people come to me before and say, hey, didn't God tell you that you were such and such? What happened with that? And in those moments, if we're not careful, we'll let shame and guilt and, and condemnation come. And this is just, I just believe that this is that this is the place that Hannah was in her life. This, like I said, I don't believe this was the first time Sister Tacy she ever prayed for a man child. I believe she'd been praying for years and years. And so what if what if Hannah had given up? What if Hannah had said, Well, I've just been praying about this thing for years now? And this thing hasn't come to pass in my life. Nothing's changed. I'm just, I'm just done. I'm just done praying about this. But what Hannah didn't understand in that moment and what some of us may not understand is that, listen, if we're a child of God, the grace of God is always at work in our life. If we're barren, it could be because God has shut up our womb for that season. Because he's trying to teach us something. Because he's trying to increase our faith. Because he's, he's trying to take us to a spot that we've never been in him before. It could be that God had, has shut up our womb as he did here with Hannah. And so what if you give up right now? What if you quit praying right now? What if you say, God, I'm just, I've been praying for this thing. For some, of it, some of it you may have been praying for a lost loved one for years and it's not yet come to pass. And what if tonight you don't pray, but what if it was tonight that God's going to answer it through the prayers that you pray in this place tonight? But yet you walk out that door and you don't say that prayer. So what Hannah didn't understand in that moment and what we may not understand but I want us to understand Hannah's womb being shut up was the working of the grace of God God had a plan in place 
God had grace that he was about to extend to the children of Israel. That was going to take them to where they needed to go. God's grace was already in place to turn their hearts back to him. Aren't you glad that I'm prone to wonder, but he's prone to chase? Aren't you glad that his grace is always in pursuit of you? God's grace was in pursuit of Hannah. Her name, her very name means gracious, grace or favor or beauty. The work of grace is a beautiful, beautiful thing. But God was about to extend his grace to the children of Israel. For you see, if Hannah's womb, if Grace's womb had not been shut up, then Hannah or Grace would have never prayed and the plan of God would have never came to pass through her. Her womb had to be shut up so that Samuel could be born, listen, from a place of intimacy, a place of prayer, a place of grace. And some of us tonight, our wombs, our spiritual wombs may have been shut up because God is trying to birth a Samuel out of our life. God is, see, because it was, and we've already talked about it, but it was Samuel who would point the nation of Israel back to God. Samuel would start schools for the prophets of God. Samuel would anoint the first and the second kings of Israel. It was through the prayers of Hannah, through the prayers of grace, that God would use Samuel to change the course of an entire nation. I'm telling you tonight that it may seem like, it may seem like God has shut up your womb. It may seem that your life is not fruitful. It may seem that you're not where you're supposed to be in God right now, where you envisioned your life to be. But I'm telling you, don't stop praying. Don't give up. Because I believe that God is, has, already, has already impregnated some people with Samuels in this place tonight. But I believe that he wants to impregnate some more with Samuels in this place tonight. So as you stand... We're talking about birthed by prayer. And I'm telling you, I believe tonight that there's things, there's ministries that have yet to be birthed. And God's just waiting on you to come, to be in that intimate place of prayer with him that he can impregnate you with that ministry. And that thing can be nourished and that thing can be growing and then God's going to bring that thing to birth inside of you. It could be anything tonight. And I believe some of you already know what God wants to impregnate you with what you've already been impregnated with and God wants to birth and, and you've been going through these pains and these things and listen, it's birthing pains. God's trying to birth things in you.
Come on, can we just let prayer arise in this place tonight? Just let prayer, just let it arise.